Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a series of messages called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life, on the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. I've called this sermon, The Perks of Recognizing You're a Fool. One of the most difficult things in the world is to admit that you need help. To admit that you're not what you could be or maybe what you should be. To acknowledge that the way that you are right now needs to improve or you may make shipwreck of your life. This truth crosses all aspects of life. If you're someone who improves themselves, wants to improve themselves, you have to be humble enough to recognize that you need help. It's the student who sees the D or the F on the paper or test and realizes that they need help who can start improving, who can start using school resources or maybe even a tutor to develop study habits to begin understanding what you have missed up to this point. The student who isn't concerned or blames the teacher or the situation is establishing the trajectory to fail. It's the athlete who realizes that their own lack of time in practice or in the weight room is the reason that they keep getting beat to the ball or why they're losing out on playing time, who comes to the coach for tips, who recognizes that they need help in establishing the patterns of accountability to begin practicing and working and training. It's that person who finds that they succeed. It's the person who blames the coach or things out of their control who gets cut. The employee who keeps getting passed over for promotion or raises has two options. Either meet with the boss, learn how to improve, or meet the needs of the one in authority over you. Work to develop new skills or abilities. It's that employee that starts finding themselves moving up the organizational chart. Or they find themselves in a job that better suits their ability or passions. The employee who feels that the way they are right now is sufficient and everybody else needs to change to be able to meet their needs will continue to find things unfair and will find that they never move. The reality goes all the way down, all the way across into every part of life. And as things get more serious, it actually becomes more challenging to admit that you need help and that you can't do it yourself right now, that you have to change. 
You have to stop doing what you're doing, that you need to find somebody to mentor you, to bring you. It's a hard thing to realize that you are the one that needs to improve, not others, not situations, not just structures or systems. It's you that needs to help. My goodness, is it difficult to do that. And you know what? It's difficult to really do it. You know, it can be simple enough to be like, oh, my bad, I'm sorry, and then not to change. But to acknowledge that things the way they are right now are going to lead to a bad outcome is exceedingly difficult. But to demonstrate in our own heart, to acknowledge it openly, there's something wrong with me, the way that I've ordered my time or my thinking. I've failed to develop the right habits, or I have, because of my own neglect, developed the wrong ones. That's hard to do, but that's actually exactly what our passage is about this morning. What our passage this morning tells us is that those humble enough to admit that they are fools are the only ones who can become wise. Let me say that again. It tells us that those who are humble enough to admit that they are fools are the only ones who can become wise. It actually tells us the opposite too. It tells us that those who can't bear to admit their foolishness will destroy themselves. I guess what I'm saying is that Proverbs chapter 1 verses 20 to 33 tell us that there are perks to recognizing that you're a fool. And we can talk about it in three parts. The first part is the call of wisdom that comes in verses 20 to 22. Then we're told about the two possible responses to that call in verses 23 through 31. And then we're told at the very end of the destiny of each of those, depending on the way that they respond. So let's start with the call of wisdom. As I mentioned, this principle of being both challenging and necessary to admit that you need help goes throughout all of life. And that's illustrated immediately in the passage by the call of wisdom. Now, as the passage begins, we see that wisdom here is personified as a woman. Throughout the book of Proverbs, both wisdom and foolishness will be personified as two different wisdom. Two different uh, types, or one is wisdom, one is foolishness. So both wisdom and folly are personified as as women in this section of scripture. And the reason for that is, as Solomon is talking to his son, he's trying to tell them there are two types of ways of life to which you may be attracted. Either the way of wisdom or the way of folly. And both will be attractive in different sorts of ways. Two kinds of women you might choose, son. The wise woman or Lady Folly. There are two possible enticements for the son of the king. One is this wise woman with whom he might build a house, raise a family, live in safety, security, and beauty. That is, live in the fear of the Lord. The other is to find a seductress who will toy with him and lead him to destruction, decay, and disarray. And you can see the ways that these work out. Do you want to see wisdom lived out in the course of your life? We'll look to a faithful grandmother. See the fullness of her contentment and love. Now, I'm talking about somebody who is a grandmother, either naturally because she's had a bunch of grandchildren, or one who has been a faithful Christian woman her whole life through and has many spiritual children or grandchildren. Look to her. Notice that when she speaks, it's worth listening to her. See that she's spent her time in ways that are productive and fruitful. Notice how she's cared for her children, both her spiritual and her natural children. And recognize that there is a radiance in such women. Be grateful for them within our midst. 
And notice the way here that wisdom does her work in Proverbs chapter 1. She goes into the markets and she raises her voice. She attends to the noisy streets and she calls out. She sits at the gates of the city and she speaks. Wisdom goes out to where everyone is and she spreads her message to every single member of the community. She doesn't just go to the boardrooms. She doesn't simply let the trustees know that they can become wise. She doesn't just go to the parties where the people of clout have shown up and said, you are the people who can become wise. She doesn't even just show up in the churches and say to those who are worshiping, you know what? You can become wise. She goes out in the markets, in the streets, and at the gate of the city. She speaks to everyone of every age in every part of the cities of which you and I are a part. And her words are pretty cutting, aren't they? How long, she cries out, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? The message is basically this. Listen up, everyone. Y'all are dumb. Y'all are fools. How much longer are you going to recognize, how much longer are you going to fail to recognize that that's the way you are? And so, at the beginning of our time together today, I don't have that fun of a message for you. But I have a biblical one. Every person who's here at Orland Park CRC, but not just here. Every person who happens to be listening online in one measure or another. And even those who aren't. Every person that might walk the Orland Square Mall today. Each person who drives up Harlem or LaGrange. Every single person this week who packs into Raising Cane's or Chick-fil-A, I have a message for you. Without godly wisdom, you're a fool. You're simple. You're a scoffer. The person who can only mock, sit back, when really the subject of derision should be you. Wisdom doesn't offer a nice message, but really niceness is just posturing nonsense anyway. Wisdom wants for you to be wise, and so wisdom will tell you the truth without stroking your ego, without any manner of performance. Wisdom simply wants you to know what's true. And what wisdom is telling us here is that none of us gets to be wise on our own. Not a single one of us. We all Start out fools. Wisdom cries out, you're a fool and you need some help. But you see, wisdom doesn't leave things there. Wisdom tells us that there are perks to knowing that you're a fool. And as we turn to the two possible responses to the message of wisdom, we can see that begin to become clear. As we make our way into verse 23, we see the first way that somebody might respond to these cutting words of wisdom. The first response is to humbly acknowledge that you are somebody that needs help. You see that in verse 23? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Wisdom says that as she's speaking, that she's speaking words of correction, words of reproof, words that are hard to swallow, that you are right now simple. But she says, hey, to everyone here in the streets, in the market, at the gate of the city, to everyone who hears and heeds, you need to know that I'll let you become wise. 
Wisdom says, I'll put my spirit in you. That means the spirit of wisdom. It means that you'll be able to have like the opportunity to begin understanding things and words that are wise. It means that, that if you recognize your own foolishness and say, I need some help, that that is the first step to becoming wise because you recognize, all right, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. It's relying on God. It's realizing that I am, uh, need to submit my life to him that, that gives you the first step towards wisdom. And wisdom says, yeah, if you're able to acknowledge that, if you're able to see that, if you're able to realize that, You're going to have the spirit of wisdom dwell in you, and you're going to begin to understand my words. As we walk through the book of Proverbs, you'll realize, yeah, this makes sense. This is right. I've been foolish in a whole host of different ways. I need the instruction of wisdom. The first step is an extremely difficult one. Yeah. I'm a fool. I'm not as wise as I should be. I need to be made wise. The book of James tells us that if anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask the Lord who gives graciously without finding fault. And what Proverbs chapter 1 tells us is that every one of us lacks wisdom. And so every one of us should be asking God who gives graciously without finding fault. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now more from Pastor Derek in our series called Proverbs, A Beautiful Life. On the book of Proverbs, which is a book in the Bible that is full of wisdom, poetry, beauty, and instructs us on what the beautiful life is and how we can live it. The other response seems honestly to be more common because the response from wisdom is much longer and much more developed. Verses 24 to 31 tells us what the other type of response is. The other type of response is for somebody to hear the call of wisdom and to say, forget you, wisdom, I've got this on my own. The other response is to ignore. And again, wisdom demonstrates herself throughout the rest of Proverbs chapter 1 to not be particularly nice. But again, niceness is no virtue in and of itself. Kindness is. Niceness is not. Wisdom is just telling you the truth. And wisdom says in verse 24 and following... Because I called you and you refused to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you ignored my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm. And then verse 31, therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. What wisdom says is for everyone that thinks that they are fine and actually don't need to heed the reproof of wisdom, they are going to start making shipwreck of their life. They're going to start bearing, you know, they're going to start harvesting what it is that they've sown. And when they reap all of this foolishness, wisdom is just going to sit back and laugh. I told you that you were simple and you didn't listen. You didn't believe me. And so look at you, struggling with all the terror that you've brought on yourself, with all the calamity that you have invested and then reaped returns on. I'm going to scoff and laugh at you. Wisdom is saying that if you are unwilling to seek to become wise, she'll let you remain a fool and then laugh at you when you prove that you are one. 
I wonder this. Have you ever done something foolish? I mean, maybe really foolish. And it may be that a friend has warned you and said, please don't go this way. It might be the ways that you're investing your time. It might be the people that you're spending time with. It might be some of the ways that you're investing your money. It might be a sin that you continue to persist in. It might be any number of things. But have you ever sort of walked down the path of foolishness and other people who are, you know, wise, maybe family members, have said, please, please don't do this. Please turn around. Please stop doing something else. But you keep doing it, and you keep doing it. And then eventually everything falls apart. Do you notice how you feel ashamed in those circumstances? I wonder if that's ever happened to anybody else other than me. It's happened to me. I think it's because what you're experiencing is wisdom laughing at you. You're recognizing that you're being mocked because you had the opportunity to do things differently and yet you persisted in all of that and somewhere deep inside of us we realize oh my goodness wisdom herself is laughing at me it's actually why it's not very helpful in a situation where that happens to somebody that you love for you to say i told you so they already have wisdom laughing at them they don't need you telling them yes see i knew that you were going down the wrong path in those sorts of times it's just time to offer a hand and help get out to in love point people back to the fear of the lord and to remind them that with the lord there's plenteous mercy and redemption but if you have continued in fool in foolishness the reason I think that you feel so ashamed is that it's wisdom laughing at you. But these are the two possible responses. At the very beginning of our time, we talked about realities that are relatively low stakes. If you're getting bad grades, you might still be able to graduate. If you're not a great athlete, well, time limits all of that for us anyway. You can keep your low-level job and still get by, but as things become more important, the importance of recognizing your own need and foolishness becomes more and more important. If you're somebody who has found themselves trapped in a specific sin, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pride, maybe it's gossip. And you realize that it's the case that you continue to fall into it again and again and again. But each time you're saying, you know what? It's actually not that big of a deal. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to change my behavior. I'm just going to continue to white knuckle it. You're demonstrating that you're a fool. Because what you're doing is saying, yeah, I realize that this was wrong. But I don't need to change anything to put in place the, the wise habits and practices and accountability that will keep me from going in that direction again. Instead, the first step is to recognize I continue to fall into this sin. I need to tell someone and I need to start working, changing my habits and life and practices so that I might not do this again. I need to get the right sorts of friends around me, my brothers or sisters that might hold me accountable from all of this sort of stuff. That's the way that you can change if you think that it's going to be different just because you've decided in your own head again for the thousandth time this time, I'm sure it's going to be different. You're a fool. Or maybe you're experiencing some measure of addiction. And you don't want to admit, I have a problem that's outside of my control. Tomorrow is going to be different, I I swear. Again, for the thousandth time. 
You're a fool. You can't continue to do things the way that you're doing them because you're afraid to admit your own weakness. And each time when the same result happens, we can feel the shame of wisdom laughing at us. Because we didn't do anything to change. No, it's instead when you admit, I'm so weak that I'm lost in all of this. I feel like I don't have any control anymore. It's when you actually admit that to another person and acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. Man, that's actually the first step to recovery. Most seriously of all is unbelief. I don't know how many times you've heard this. I hear it all the time. I don't know if I need to, I don't know if I've got to follow Jesus. I mean, I feel like I can be a pretty good person on my own. Oh my goodness, I hear it all the time. You know what that is? It's hearing the call of wisdom and saying, you know what, I'm all right. I don't need to change. Because the reality is that Jesus comes and speaks a word that's probably even harsher than wisdom's. Even if it's gentler, you're a sinner and you can't make it on your own. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus says, hey, if you want to live, the first step is that you have to recognize that you need to die. I mean, there is very, very little in the world. In fact, there's nothing in the world more difficult than that to say, you're right. I have not been able to do it on my own. I've got to die so that, Jesus, you can raise me to newness of life. It is the hardest thing in the world. And so for for any of us, again, who might be listening and just continuing in unbelief, who might be watching, who might hear about all of this, I, I realize that coming to Jesus is the hardest thing in the world. To recognize that actually you're not good enough on your own. To realize actually you can't save yourself. This is the most challenging thing in the world. To hear Jesus say, You've got to come to me, sinner, and realize, yeah, that's true, sinner. Oh, that's me. I need you to forgive me. I can't, I can't do it on my own. The great hymn of the faith, Come Ye Sinners, says this. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you'll never come at all. There are perks to realizing that you are a foolish sinner. What perks, you might wonder? Oh, just everlasting life. Just forgiveness of sins. Just freedom and joy. Just a beautiful family and community. But what it takes is recognizing your own need at the outset. It's the hardest thing in the world. But if you're willing to hear that correction and reprieve, it it leads to the most beautiful life imaginable. 
And there's sort of two ways, like the way of, of foolishness and the way of wisdom, they are acknowledged at the end by wisdom. She sums it all up for us in the final two verses. Did you notice that? For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. And so here's what she says. The reason I'm speaking to you in this unvarnished way, I'm not stroking your ego or anything like that, is I want you to know that, that the stakes are huge here, death and life. And as, and as Jesus comes to us and offers us redemption, the stakes are not just natural death and natural life, but everlasting life and everlasting death. The stakes could not be higher. And if you want to continue in your own way, in your own foolishness, then, then listen, then this is what describes you or me if we want to persist in all of this. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. Your unwillingness, my unwillingness to be like, yeah, I need help. I need redemption. I need to be saved. I'm the fool that needs to be made wise. I'm the sinner that needs to be made holy. If we're unwilling to acknowledge that destruction is the end for us. But, but, verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without the dread of disaster. And here is the promise that's offered to every single person that will find their hope only in Christ Jesus. Jesus has you and will not let you go and you can be secure knowing that you're his. There are perks to realizing that you're a foolish sinner. And today, will you be of the group that's humble enough to be like, yeah, that's me. I need salvation. I need wisdom. I need Jesus. I need less of myself. Well, let me welcome you to some pretty incredible perks. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.